Our Gospel reading this morning comes from the Gospel according to Luke, the 19th chapter, verses 28 through 40. After Jesus said this, he continued on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As Jesus came to Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he gave two disciples a task. He said, go into the village over there. When you enter it, you will find tied up there a colt that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If someone asks, why are you untying it? Just say, its master needs it. Those who had been sent found it exactly as he had said. As they were untying the colt, the owners said to them, Why are you untying the colt? They replied, Its master needs it. They brought it, to Jesus, who, they brought it to Jesus, threw their clothes on the colt, and lifted Jesus onto it. As Jesus rode along, they spread their clothes on the road. As Jesus approached the road leading down from the Mount of Olives, the whole throng of his disciples began rejoicing. They praised God with a loud voice because of all the mighty things they had seen. They said, Blessings on the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heavens. Some of the Pharisees from the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, scold your disciples. Tell them to stop. He answered, I tell you, if they were silent, the stones would shout. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. It's kind of funny. My opening illustration, Colleen sort of did for us. Our, our music this morning started with, we started off with the, the choir singing Victory in Jesus. And we started with really high, exciting music. And then Colleen played for our special, What Wondrous Love. We go from cheers to tears. And in fact, that is very much what it was like for the crowd that Holy Week. We go from shouts of Hosanna to shouts of crucify him. We go from them hailing him as their master, their king, their messiah, to a crown of thorns. But it's the journey that Jesus had to take. The, the illustration that, that I'm, I'm still going to read to you is that, this is from Scott Hosey, and he says that in a pre-conference lecture, the conductor of a symphony orchestra was telling the audience about the major work that the orchestra would be performing at that evening's concert. The conductor told the people that if they listened carefully to the music, they would discover that it was both surprising and inevitable. On the one hand, the musical score would take a fair number of rather jarring and unexpected twists. There would be points in the concert when the blare of the trumpet or the sudden rolling of the timpani would seem to come from out of nowhere in a surprising fashion. On the other hand, however, the conductor noted that in the long run, these surprises would themselves become part of a larger coherence. Once listeners heard the entire piece from start to finish, they would find in the music an air of inevitability. How could it ever have been written any differently? Surprising and inevitable. Palm Sunday and the events of Holy Week are both surprising and inevitable. 
The truth is that we are not completely sure what to make of Palm Sunday. After 40 days of Lenten travel that have often focused on serious and sometimes dark subjects, suddenly we arrive at a day that seems at first blush to be surprisingly cheery. The Palm Sunday Parade has color and spectacle, cheering and singing, festive voices and joyful exuberance. This seems like a happy day. Yet it would be completely appropriate if you were to ask, what in the world is this day doing here given how close we are now to the cross? Is Palm Sunday a bright spot in the midst of the otherwise darker hues of Lent? Are we, just for a little while this morning, supposed to forget all about, about all things dreary so that we can cry out some full-throated hosannas? Or is there also a sadness to the day that we must bear in mind? We have an, a perspective, an advantage, if you will, that the crowd gathered there that day did not have. We know the rest of the story. We've been telling this story for nearly 2,000 years now. The crowd gathered that day. It's a Sunday before Passover. And Jesus gets this donkey and rides into town and they put their cloaks on the back of the donkey and, and make him a, a seat and they, they put their cloaks out on the roads in front of them. And they start waving palm branches and crying out Hosanna, which means God save us. It is an amazing day. It is a wonderful day. The disciples had to have been so excited because it finally looked like they had been in ministry with Jesus for three years now. Three years they had been making this journey. And they were finally seeing Jesus hailed as the Messiah, as the King that he was. And yet notice that even on this day, there are hints that Jesus isn't the king they think he is. The Old Testament has prophecy after prophecy about a Messiah coming. The Messiah was going to come. It was going to kick out whatever the ruling nation was at the time. From the Babylonians, to the Persians, to the Greeks, and now in Jesus' day, the Romans. It was supposed to be the Messiah was, was thought of to be a, a political king, a political ruler, who would rule with a spirit of justice, of God's justice, who would rule rightly and would worship the Lord. We see Jesus not on the back of some fancy horse, but on a donkey, a humble donkey. And so you get the beginnings of the sense of Yes, he's Messiah, but this isn't quite going to be the Messiah they thought it was going to be. They are ready to see Jesus come into his kingdom. They are ready for Jesus to take his throne. They can't wait. But they don't understand. They don't realize what Jesus is really doing. They don't understand what is going to happen. They don't understand how fickle a crowd can be. Because those same people who are gathered there yelling, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, are going to be the same ones shouting, crucify him, come Friday morning. 
It happens that fast. And we can see, you know, it's easy to stand back 2,000 years later and say, how could they? How could they be such horrible, awful people to do that? Y'all, human nature has not changed in 2,000 years. We see it happen. We, we lift folks up one day and we tear them down the next. It's, unfortunately, it is, it is some of the worst part of, of, of who we are as people apart from God. We can be fickle. We are sinners. We can be mean. We can be hateful. And we can be manipulated, which is in large part what happens to the crowd. The religious leaders of the day want Jesus dead. They have no power and no authority with which to crucify him themselves. Rome saves that power for themselves. So they get the crowd riled up and start whispering, hey, hey, this guy, he's a bad guy. He's a traitor. He's no good. We need to get rid of him. Better that one man should die than they wipe out all of us. They were right. They didn't understand what they meant by that, but they were right. For indeed, in Jesus' dying, we were all given life. It was for the good of the many that the one man died. But on Palm Sunday, none of them know this yet. It's not there for them yet. I, I invite you this week, if you possibly can, to come to the services on Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday. Because we need to remember what Jesus went through on our behalf. It is so easy in our modern culture to hop from Sunday into Sunday and not get the story in the middle. And this week it matters because otherwise you go from party to party. You go from Palm Sunday to Easter Sunday. Everything's great. Everything's glorious. And we lose how it happened. We lose how we got here. We lose what Jesus suffered. If you can't come to the services, and I understand some folks just can't. Not, I, I'm, that's okay. I'm not going to be pointing fingers and, and calling names if you're not here. But I would encourage you to sit down with your Bible this week then. Start reading here at, at Luke 19 and read the story for yourself. Read what Jesus went through. It's a, it's a handful of chapters. You can do it in one sitting. But remember the sacrifice. Remember how the shouts turned. Remember what Jesus did for you. So that you can come Easter morning and fully participate in the joy of what God has done. I, I, I titled my sermon, The Lord Needs It, because the Lord needed that donkey. Jesus needs that donkey, and I, and I find it interesting that you know, when, when Jesus, there was an old, I think it was an investment company, and when, when, when is it E.F. Hutton speaks, people listen, and you know, everything would suddenly die down quiet. Well, when Jesus speaks, people listen. Basically, the disciples are sent to steal a colt, a donkey. Jesus tells them where it's going to be, says, go get it. If anybody asks you, say, the Lord needs it. 
the disciples go, they, they find the donkey right where it's supposed to be, and they start untying the donkey, and the donkey's owner comes up and says, uh, excuse me, what do you think you're doing? And they're like, oh, the, the Lord needs it. Apparently the donkey owner says, okay, go, that's fine. Take the donkey, it's okay. The Lord needs us, too. He needs us to be his hands and feet in the world. There, there's a wonderful story from Corrie Ten Boom. She was a famous Christian whose testimony of suffering in Nazi concentration camps and God's grace through it all has touched millions of lives. Years ago, in a press conference following a ceremony in which Corrie Ten Boom was given an honorary degree, one of the reporters asked her if it was difficult remaining humble while hearing so much acclaim. She replied immediately, Young man, when Jesus Christ rode into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday on the back of a donkey, and everyone was waving palm branches and throwing garments in the road and singing praises, do you think that for one moment it ever entered the head of that donkey that any of that was for him? <laughs> she continued, If I can be the donkey on which Jesus Christ rides in his glory, I give him all the praise and all the honor. Y'all, our job is to be the donkey. That's what we're here for. And the Lord needs us as much as the Lord needed the donkey that day. Jesus, in his infinite wisdom, has chosen to leave his church, his mission, in our hands. And we can look around at each other and go, oh, we're not worthy. This was a really bad idea, y'all. We are not up for this. But y'all, neither were the twelve. One betrays him. One denies him. They scatter. Only one bothers to show up at the cross. They weren't ready either. But we're going to get to Pentecost and see how the Holy Spirit equipped them for the mission that was to come. Jesus needs us to be his hands and feet. He needs us to spread the good news. That there is a God who will save us. That there is a God who can save us from our sins, from our selfishness, from our meanness. There is a God who wants to save us. To teach us to love one another as he has loved us. And this week we will experience the fullness of his love and see just how far that love went to save us. May we serve God in the humble spirit that the donkey did all those years ago. And may you make this journey one way or another to the cross this week. Amen. Amen.